My name's Jo Wise, and this is Wise Women, the podcast. In my book, I'm a Woman, I quote a Native American proverb which states that the world will know a thousand years of peace when women have healed their hearts. I believe that one way for women to heal their hearts is to share their stories. Just like in ancient times, when our female ancestors would gather at the full and new moons in tune with their cycles to cleanse their experiences together. On this podcast, I'll be asking women from all walks of life to share their stories. Not only to give a voice to the wisdom they discovered during some of their greatest life challenges, but also to remind you of your deepest wisdom too. This is Wise Women. Sharing stories, sharing wisdom. In 2014, and at the age of 40, Zara Kolosinska, already a mum of two, fell pregnant again with her daughter Ginger. The pregnancy itself went really well until the days leading up to her labour, when Zara voiced concerns, which were pacified by doctors, about excessive movements the baby was making. When the movement stopped completely, and after scans and checks at the hospital, Zara, who was now four days past her due date, was told that Ginger had passed away. Zara and I have taken the decision in this podcast not to discuss the possible reasons why Ginger died and if her death could have been prevented. Although the midwife did inform Zara that Ginger's cord was knotted around her ankles, which may have temporarily cut off her blood and oxygen supply. This podcast is simply Zara's story of what happened, how her and her husband coped, and the wisdom she feels Ginger gave her and continues to give her today. Hi, Jo. Great to speak to you. I've got so many questions to ask you, but before we talk about your story, I wanted to talk about the fact that you're an artist. I've got ways of describing your work, words like big and bold and beautiful, but how do you describe your artwork? Well, they're extremely, it's extremely colourful. That's, that's, that's uh, definite. Um, But yeah, I, I would, I would hope that people can really look into it and see several things my my artwork always I don't know always seems to have sort of two polarities it I, I can see almost two sides to everything that I'm painting so yeah I, definitely all that you're, you're saying very bold very bright quite quite mystical as well I would say yeah I'm gonna at the end of our chat I'm, I'd love to give out your Instagram handle so that people can go and have a look at it but have you always drawn and painted or is it something that really started to emerge for you as a result of your challenge your story um no i i haven't painted at all i loved art at school but i just couldn't see myself being an artist because i had this sort of misconception that it had to be really clever which was not what i thought i was at school but to answer your question uh, i didn't paint at all until 2015 so yeah, it's not something I've done. It's only it's done something recently. It's something I always held in my heart and something that I aspired to do. But it was something that I certainly didn't have the courage to embrace until I lost my daughter. Yeah, and that's the story that we're going to be talking about today because in 2014, your baby, Ginger, was born, but you were told on the day that you went into labour that she died and that she was going to be stillborn. Before we talk about that day... Can you tell me more about your life at the time? So let's go back to 2014. Did you already have children and how pleased were you and your husband to be pregnant? Yes. Yeah, so um, my eldest, I already had two boys. My eldest son uh, is now 27. 
story and my youngest son Arthur would have been sick at the time yeah we were extremely pleased we'd we'd not planned it I actually was 40 and it was no it wasn't it, a wonderful surprise <laughs> although I was quite in shock that I was 40 years old and um, about to embark on another pregnancy and have have a baby we were really really excited actually um underneath all the nerves and worry and what have you but we were really really excited and actually I'd always envisioned myself having a daughter and at the start of my pregnancy for some reason I always seemed to know what I was carrying and I was never wrong you know with both my boys and at the start of this pregnancy although we hadn't had the test at you know 20 weeks to find out what the sex was I actually knew you know I'm definitely having a girl so I was so so excited it, it I felt that you know that vision that I'd had was coming true so yeah and how did your children feel about it because like you said you've got uh, an older son who you had when you were 17 you've got a, a younger son Arthur who was six in uh, 2014 were they excited about mum being pregnant yeah they were I mean my eldest son he was a little bit traumatized I have to say <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know he's like 20 23 at the time and uh, mum oh my gosh you're too old for that you know <laughs> But yeah, they were, I mean, sort of a few months into it, especially Arthur, I mean, he was absolutely, you know, he was so so excited right right from the off. And as they both, you know, seen me, um, the pregnancy go on and, you know, seeing mummy's belly getting bigger and, you know, hips getting wider and what have you, Arthur, he was really fascinated by it. And, yeah, they were both really excited. Okay, so I'm assuming all the pregnancy was absolutely fine and you didn't have any problems at all? No, in actual fact, this was the, you know, it was the best pregnancy out of my pregnancies that I'd had. My two boys, I was, you know, just constant um, sickness and I felt so tired and, and weak. And, oh, it was, you know, my, my pregnancies weren't good at all um, carrying boys. But uh, carrying ginger, I just seemed to breeze through it. Everything, I felt great. Um, I was, like I say, I was a little bit worried because of my age. But actually, it was wonderful. I felt really healthy. There was no problems at all in the pregnancy. Um, every time I went to see the midwife, everything was fine. Heartbeat, heart, you know, every everything was absolutely fine. So there was absolutely no warnings at all that, you know, this was going to happen. So, no, I was well and fit and no problems. And I've never... Uh, carried a baby so I've never been pregnant I hope one day I will be and a bit like you I envisage myself with a girl so I don't know yeah. if it will happen but yeah. what's it like between you and the baby when you're carrying uh, a child emotionally what kind of connection did you make with her when she was inside you well as with all of my children it's quite indescribable really and you feel you feel just you know, it's, it's something magic's going on, and you see your body changing and growing. But you know, the, the feeling of them them moving, and you're so connected. It's something you really you can't quite describe, but it's it's just such a connection. And and obviously, as you know, each month goes by, the feeling of you 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 think about them. You know, what they're going to look like, what they're what they're going to be like, what their what their life's going to you know, unfold for them, and and that that bond, that you know, that feeling of such you're so proud that you're going to be part of that, you know. Yeah, just lay, just laying down at night. I mean, my favourite 
a part actually, especially with Karen Ginger, was every morning I would have a bath and she loved the water. So every time I got into the bath, you know, see her going sort of help a leather and, you know, sort of splash the water over my belly. And she would just move around like to really, really enjoy it. I mean, just little things like that. Oh, it's just such a lovely feeling, you know, that you're already getting response back from them, you're connecting and, you know, there's certain music that you can listen to, you know, they like that, there's certain foods that you start to eat and all of a sudden there's wriggles. And yeah, it's just <laughs> wonderful. And do you feel like you made a different connection with her than you did with your boys at that um, time? Yes, I do. I can make sense of it now, but I couldn't at the time. Every time I tried to envision Ginger, there was a feeling that I couldn't quite grasp. It wasn't, an, it wasn't, I wouldn't like to say it was an uncomfortable feeling, but I would get upset because I would try to envision her and I would maybe, you know, go out and buy clothes and things like that for her. And like the others, you wash them and you hold them up and look at them and something didn't didn't seem to connect sometimes now I would internalize that and blame that on me I would think oh, is there something wrong am I um am I you know starting to suffer with a bit of postnatal depression although I obviously hadn't had her is there depression um that is this the signs or but there was something I couldn't connect with in the way that I had with my boys now it wasn't that I didn't want her I absolutely did but there was an there was an understanding sort of lying feeling that something wasn't quite right mm. now like I said I could only put that down to was there a little bit of depression or something like that I feel now obviously that maybe maybe that um there was my sense or intuition trying to tell me something I, I really don't know that's the only thing I can describe it as that was what was different wow Okay, so let's let's travel forward now to the birth itself, Zara. What happened when it came to Ginger's arrival? Um, well, I woke up in the morning um, and thought thought I was in labour, but Ginger really wriggled the night before, a wriggle that I'd never ever really felt before. But uh, I'd been scanned that evening uh, because I thought my waters had broke, and they told me everything was fine and sent me home. Well, in the middle of the night, I felt this, you know, really sort of quite a, an aggressive kind of wriggle. And in, I woke up in the morning and she uh, wasn't moving. Now, I was getting contractions and labor pain. So I thought, OK, this is this is the labor. This is labor. Now, I'd been to the midwife. Uh, me and my husband, sorry, uh, went to see the midwife and I told her I was concerned because I hadn't felt any any movements for a few hours and the midwife scans over my belly and we heard the heartbeat and she reassured me and my husband everything was fine her heartbeat was fine but she suggested we go to the hospital um just to get monitored a couple of hours later just to check again so I went home and obviously because I thought I was in labor I'd done uh all the housework and things just to move things on and um, that two hours came round and we went to the hospital and then I was taken into a room to get scanned and when I went into the room to get scanned they monitored me first and they couldn't hear any heartbeat. They moved the uh, monitor around in different positions, still no heartbeat. 
me and my husband were in shock at this point because we'd heard her heartbeat just two hours before and couldn't understand what was going on. So they then took me into a private room where they then scanned me. So, and then, you know, that was, that was just, you know, horrific because I kind of knew that she'd gone. Um, we were told then that, um, I then had to go into, uh, delivery and I'd have to be induced. So I was sent home to tell the family and had to go back in just a couple of hours later where they then started my labor. And we, you know, I gave birth to her 20 hours later. Wow. So Zara, you went into labor knowing that you were going to give birth to a baby that wasn't alive. And labor for most, well, all women uh, can be a very challenging time. Mm. Can you remember any of your thoughts and feelings as you went through that experience? Oh, yes. I mean, I felt like I was in a dream. I felt that this this just cannot be true. Um, and you're, 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 you know, you're, you're holding on to the, the reality that you're in, but it's, it's just unbearable. I mean, you, you can't make sense of it. It, it, it it's such a shock. It, it sends you down a rabbit hole that's <laughs> undescribable. And at the same time, in a strange way, I actually just wanted to give birth to her so I could see her mm. and, and hold her and hope that it was just a bad dream. Uh, you know, and every, uh, my senses just kept saying, it's a, it's a, this is just a bad dream, this is bad, you know, it's a bad dream, it's, it's definitely not real. But, you know, you're faced with that reality, it is real and and you've got to go through it. Part of you wants to, to just give up. Part, part of you, your, your, your body's, you know, going into labour, whether you like it or not, and part of you wants to, to stop it. There is, oh... So many emotions and thoughts that go through your mind. It's just, I think, just trying to stay sane is is the hardest thing as well. You know, it's it's a nightmare. <laughs> Do you think is there a possibility in that process that you dissociated as well? I know that sometimes happens to people in trauma, and you touched on it there about leaving this reality. But it's interesting because you're talking about dissociating, but you're also talking about connecting as well so you must have been flitting in and out of that experience uh, I was actually definitely because um there was a part of me that knew there was something here to be seen there was part of me that had this overwhelming sense of you 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 are going to be okay that this is fine and although this is extremely painful this is going to open up things for you to see wow. so there was there was that part of me or something something that was helping me see that whether it's my you know i don't i don't know we could probably look at look at this in several different ways but there was also part of me that was wanting to leave what didn't want to to, to witness any of it i wanted to escape mm. uh, there was nowhere to go so yeah you're right there was two things very much at play there and do you remember how your husband felt at the time yes i mean that was again it was such a hard thing because my husband was going through everything that i was going through and he was in you know horrendous pain as well emotionally because he's watching his wife having to go through all of this and 
he wanted to take it away from me and he couldn't and and also deal with you know his reality that he's lost his daughter and where do we go from here uh you know how how are we gonna how are we gonna get through it tell the children to you, you know so he's having to just sort of stay strong for me and watch me obviously horrendous pain of knowing at the end of it as well that we are you know going to deliver a stillborn baby so both both of us are very much aware of each other's feelings on our and we actually were trying to help each other through it you know in our own way the best way we could as well as as well as deal with our own hell if you like mm. can you talk a little bit more about uh the moment you saw her so that was so hard for me because um i was uh, again you're you you know you're having all these thoughts what what is she going to look like what am i what am i going to be faced with how am I going to have to deal with it? It's the next challenge that you're thinking of just as you're trying to deliver this baby, you know. And I asked the midwife, what am I going to be faced with? What, what, what do I do? And the midwife, she was so, so good. And she said, look, we're, when she's born, we will, I will ask you if you want to see her and I'll bring her over if you want, you know. So um, I know so many people feel so different about this. And at the time, my husband couldn't, face seeing her uh, you know when when we were told right you know we're going to deliver in a minute he was he was like I can't I cannot see her you know fortunately he came round about an hour later and he was absolutely fine but when I did uh, deliver her um I asked the midwife how does she look and the midwife said she's she's beautiful as soon as she said that you know uh I that was it I wanted to hold her and, and you know have her in my arms straight straight away I think it was just I know that um I know that I would have held her no no matter what actually but you just this is this is a place you've never been before and it's scary and and you have all the same emotions as you would delivering any other baby that you just want to hold them but it's not the same Anyway, the, um, the midwife, the midwife brought her over to me, and I held her, and she absolutely was beautiful. I mean, I had all the same emotions, but I, you know, you just this indescribable love, and yeah, she was, she was beautiful, and is. <laughs> and can you talk a bit, Zara, about how she looked? Um, because she had passed away, you know, twenty-four hours ago. She had. You know, her skin had started to go purple, and you could see that she'd passed away. But you could see, you know, see this beautiful baby. Her features, for me, the most—I think—the thing that instantly hit me is that her her lips were absolutely beautiful. Um, you know, I just couldn't stop looking at her lips, and again, you know, hands, feet, all of that. You 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 just take it. Oh, you just—it's it, just beautiful. But at the same time. It's devastating because you want to hear a cry and you mm. want, you know, and none of those things are happening. And yes, it's heart wrenching. It's it's heart. Your heart shatters a million times over, and uh, you can't escape it. It's it is you know it's devastating. And again, I want to ask about your husband too because I think you said earlier that he was he was feeling uncomfortable about holding her, but. Did you say that he did come round and, you know, he did he did hold Ginger in the end? Yes. So when I first delivered her and I was holding her, he, I always remember it, he 
just stood in the corner of the room and wouldn't look. He wouldn't turn. He was just stood in the corner of the room and wouldn't turn round. And um, he was obviously, you know, he was crying and it was really distressful for him. But I just sort of kept saying, look, come and see her. She's beautiful. And eventually he came out and he did see her. And then it was fine and he held her and, you know, he, he had his time with her. And, well, we both held her. I mean, we had her with us for, I would say, probably nine, ten hours. Wow. And we spent all that time holding her and cuddling her and... You know, looking at her, taking in, taking in what we could. I mean, the painful, painful thing again, and going back to obviously association and things like that, you're dreading the next bit because you're then thinking, how long have we got? Hmm. They're going to come and take her away. They're going to go and take her somewhere where we can't see her. And everything is the next challenge you've got to face. You know, hearing babies being born on the ward that you, you've just delivered your daughter every half an hour, maybe an hour, hearing another baby being born and crying is a constant kick. Mm. <laughs> um, all of these things are so, so hard. Goodness, are, but like you say, having nine or ten hours with her, um, mm. although at the time incredibly painful, when you look back now, I imagine you cherish that memory, do you? I do. There's, there's, there's things that I feel that I wish I'd done that I'd I didn't do um, things like I wished I'd bathed her, I'd put some clothes on her, I'd I'd, I'd looked at her all over. Um, I, you know, there's those things that I we all have regrets, but I think I was in such a state. I, I mean, I wish we'd taken more pictures as well. My husband, I was in such a shock, um, and and my labour had not gone very well either. Um, unfortunately, I tore really badly, and I had to go to theatre. And five hours after I delivered her, I got septicemia. So my my own life was in danger as well. So there was a lot going on. Oh my goodness, Sarah! So how did you how did you cope in the days afterwards? Um, or does that seem like a blur still? It, it was a blur, and also because I had septicemia, they kept me in hospital for five days because potentially I could, you know, be in a lot of trouble myself health wise they were having to pump two lots of antibiotics in me intravenously every 30 minutes just to try and get this under control so it, it did become very much a blur I wasn't thinking quite straight and I and you know all sorts was going not only because of the trauma and the grief that I was going through but also I was fighting septicemia so you know there was a lot going on there but yes I think the hardest thing for me in that five days in that hospital was being around and smelling newborn babies Mm. walking down the corridor to to spend a penny to see fathers turning up with you know their newborn baby car seat to pick up their babies these were these were things that were just unavoidable but you can't prepare for these things you know the day going back to when i went to the midwife to check to see what you know ginger's heartbeat that day I thought I was going to have her and all of these visions of us doing those things were going through my mind. Five days later, I'm in a hell thinking, oh my gosh, I remember thinking that my husband's going to come and pick us up with a car seat. I remember thinking that, you know, my husband's going to be changing her bum and, you know, all those things. And uh, instead you're in a very, very different reality. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So you talked earlier, Zara, about 
you know, you had this, on one hand, you had this hell that you were living through. But on this other hand, you had some kind of faith or something you were holding on to that was saying this is going to open things up for you. Yes. Talk to me more about that that presence that you that you felt around Ginger. Well, there was a feeling of that she was going to impact my life in ways that I could not describe. And she did. I lost her. <laughs> but I also had a sense that she was going to show me something that I could never grasp before. Now, I don't want to say that my other children haven't shown me those things because they absolutely have. You know, being 17 and having a son at 17. Uh, and uh, all of my children have shown me amazing things. They are my teachers, <laughs> all three of them. But this this was huge. This was like everything that I, in my life prior to having Ginger, I'd been trying to hide or trying to deny or trying to cover up or trying to make excuses for was smashed to pieces. Well, this is uh, the point of the podcast, really, as you know, Zara, Wise Women, where we talk about the challenges that women have gone through and they share those stories, but they also share the wisdom that they found in those stories. Mm. And I know you're con- whenever we've spoken, you've constantly talked about what Ginger's shown you since that day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can you talk about some more of that wisdom? What, what have you learned from that whole experience? What's, what's she given you? Well, she gave me courage for once. Uh, for one, sorry. Um, she gave me um, strength. She's, she's, she's given me wisdom that I could never imagine. You know, e- exploring things that I, I wouldn't dare do before. Now, all of these things as well that I knew were inside of me, but I held back because of stories I created, beliefs I created. But, you know, when you think you're not good enough and you think, oh, I can't, you know, for example, I can't be an artist. I can't, I can't, I'm dyslexic. I can't do these things. I, you know, all of that. She destroyed. I was no longer fearful of those things. It was like, my gosh, what have I been doing? It, you know, it, it, it was all of those things that seemed so, oh, I mean, not worth anything and yet they they trapped me for so long and i'd like to uh, probably this a really good example of that i can i can give you mm. i'd i'd always wanted to write and uh, art and writing was one of the well not one of the things but that was such a desire for me but i'd always wanted to write and i remember about probably seven years before i had ginger um this desire of, you know wanting to write was really strong and a, literally a voice in my head said if you dare write you're gonna die <laughs> I was like, now I could I, I I literally felt that was gonna happen and if I asked myself but well, Tara this is what where is this coming from why do you think you're gonna die if you write and basically I told myself because my children might see my writing and they might be ashamed of the fact that I'm dyslexic or somebody else might see it and they would think how pathetic it is and heaps of stories came out. And I literally, so I did, I started to write and I hid it, you know, I hid this writing book in absolute fear that people would see it or someone would see it. And 
again, you know, after I had ginger, I was able to write. And what started to come out was absolutely beautiful because I, I let go of all the fear and attachment around it. And I no longer cared what people thought. And here I then was writing, my gosh, this is absolutely beautiful. And, um, you know, it enabled me to uh, write uh, some uh, pieces of writing for uh, Ginger's first birthday. I then put that out on YouTube along with a video. People came back to me and said, help me heal something here. I've, everything you wrote is something I, I could not express. So that's one example. And why do you think, unless I'm missing something, Sarah, why do you think Ginger enabled that? What was it about the experience that you had with Ginger that opened up this this confidence in yourself? Um, it was just this feeling like, it was like, this, this little girl has come to me for a reason. She's helped me see something. And it was just not right for me not to fulfill those things that I've held back. Mm. And then just say, okay, I've been a victim of these things in my life. Yes, I've had some hard times, many hard times. Um, I've been a young mum and been on my own and going through a horrendous relationship. Um, having, you know, lots of, lots of different circumstances happen in my life. But this, like I say, it was, it was just this feeling like it is all of it doesn't matter. You matter, you know. Putting wow. out and, and, and connecting with these talents you've got matters. So yeah, I'm not sure if I've explained that very well, but <laughs> Zara, you've explained it brilliantly. But do you acknowledge that? There may be other women, and again, there's no judgment in this at all, but there are maybe other women who go the other way, who don't who don't kind of have the doors open for them. The doors may be closed for them, and uh, the bereavement takes a whole different uh, a whole different shape. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I would say everybody's journey is their journey, and everybody, you know, whatever people go through in their own way of grieving and what they see is absolutely. For them, you know, so there's no, yeah, I, I, yes, absolutely. I mean, everybody is so different. Yeah, but I'm just saying, Zara, that it's absolutely incredible that um, Ginger has opened up your confidence and your talents and your life for you. Yes. Yeah, oh, it's incredible. I mean, I, I, like I said, you know, earlier on, my children are my teachers and they absolutely are. Um, and they teach me all the time, all three of them. <laughs> wow. Okay, so for women listening to this podcast today, Zara, what would you want them to take away from your story? What would you want them to hear? I would say to connect with these emotions rather than push them away, that they hold treasure, you know. they. The biggest thing I think that for me as well is that it made me turn inwards, inward. You know, I, I just, I went in myself and I healed and could see so many things, so many patterns. And so I would say give yourself time, um, you know, reflect, don't hide away, talk about it as well. I mean, you know, because it's such a, it's such a subject that people just feel so uncomfortable around. And also bring your... You know, your stillborn baby, your daughter, your son into your life. Make them very much present. They, they are still your son or daughter. 
And Sarah, you're talking there about wisdom, I suppose, for other parents of stillborn babies. But there's wisdom in your story, too, for women like me who've never been pregnant. Mm. Uh, you understand that, don't you? Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. You know, this I whole think... idea, I think what's come across from your story for me, this whole idea of kind of just um, being unafraid and unashamed. Yes, exactly. So whether this is, you know, a car accident or or whatever tragedy that you have in your life, that always holds this key to something that I think if we can just look deeply enough and see like where our life has been going up till then and that what, what this is showing us. Um, I think for me, because my love for children is so strong, it maybe took that for me to see it. Mm. Um, I'd been in circumstances before in, in a very abusive relationship when I was younger and that was part of the story, but it wasn't enough to open up what I needed to see. And do you feel, Zara, that you have processed everything you need to process about the story that you've shared today? Or do you find that things still come up for you unexpectedly that you have to go inside and reflect on? Um, there's, there's no way that this is, this is I've processed everything. I'm, it, it's going to probably be a lifelong thing. <laughs> For instance, I, I, I went to a um, networking event and I did not go to a networking event and think that I was going to have a breakdown in the middle of a networking event. Um, but somebody asked me why I'd made my business card. Why was it called Following Ginger Home? I would think I could answer that, that question absolutely fine. But I had, you know, 20 women sat around me and all of a sudden I broke my heart. It came from nowhere. Hmm. Now, up to that point, I thought that I was doing jolly <laughs> and was, you know, out, yeah, yeah, getting on and I'm sort of getting my artwork out there and yes, everything's fine. Somebody asked me one question and I broke in front of 20 people, you know. Um, so, yes, absolutely. I'm still processing things. There's still things that I've not probably been, not going to have dealt with, you know, yet that are still going to come up. No, but I, I, I do know that your your artwork really helps you to process things, doesn't it? And um, I really wanted to mention your Instagram handle. I, I talked about that at the beginning of this interview, Zara, because after uh, women have listened to this, I want them to go and look at your artwork. So if people want to find you, um, how can they see the, the stuff that you do? Because it's amazing. Yeah, so there's my Instagram page, which is um, Ginger Zara, um, but you may find it under my um, Zara Kolosinska name. But the the um, the actual name is is Ginger Zara. So if you if you if you look at both of those on Instagram, you you should find it. Wow! Well, very best of luck with it. And so I can't thank you enough for sharing your story today and talking about what you've what you've been through. Just absolutely incredible. And like I say, even from a woman that has never been pregnant, I can't even begin to tell you how much your story's touched me. Oh, thank you. Before you do go, though, I know you listen to this podcast, so you'll know the the last bit of the interview. I like to ask three questions, three yeah. quick fire questions, just to get to know you a little bit better. So we'll do that um, just before you disappear. So the first question is about books. Which yeah. book do you find yourself gifting the most? Oh gosh, you know that's so hard question because I love books and there's so many I could say, but I think probably the one that I would say really I've I've gifted the most is. Codependent No More by Melody Beattie. And uh, that was just such a profound book for me because, you know, just in the introduction, I was, 
oh my gosh, this is this is me. <laughs> you know, I I was able again, you know, to um to see so many patterns that I'd I'd followed. You know, trying to please everyone, putting all my own feelings and thoughts aside, just trying to be liked and what what have you. You know, and anyway, this book is amazing. It explains so much to me and. Uh, I've gifted that to 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 a to a lot of people, and yes, it's it's a wonderful book. Well, it sounds like one for people that are really on that inner journey, and I know you are really on the inner journey, aren't you? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay, yeah. brilliant choice. I'm, I'm going to look that one up very very <laughs> soon, very very soon. Uh, next question is about women, uh, and it can be history, myth, legend, present day. But which woman do you admire the most? Who is the most inspirational woman for you? Well, the, the most inspirational woman for me is actually Camilla Batmangeli. Now, I know there's been lots of things in the press and it's quite a controversial subject, but I've met Camilla years and years ago. Um, I actually used to be so touched by some of the things that I'd seen that she, she'd done around with, with children. Um, you know, she, I don't know if anyone knows, but she was called the Angel of Peckham. Mm. Um, you know, she worked with inner city children. She'd done so much. And uh, having met her back in, I was actually carrying Ginger, actually, when I met her, because the plan was that I was going to work with Kids Company and do some volunteer work, because that charity and working with children is so, so dear to my heart. And, um, yeah, she's just such an inspiration. And even all that's been said in the, in the press, if you really look in what she's done and reached and achieved so much that the government could not do and would not do. Let's just put it that way. I feel she's an amazing person. Yeah, yeah. like you say, um, lots of controversy around her. But when you dig deep um, and look at the lives that she's touched, yes. uh, there could be a whole different story there than the one that we're being uh, given by the media. I know as well, it said her dad had written the books about water Ah, okay. Yeah, I think Dr. Batman, <laughs> as he's nicknamed, has written a lot of books about the healing powers of water. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, okay, brilliant choice. And the last question is about music. Which song sums up your story that you spoke about today? Well, the song uh, for me is by Cinematic Orchestra, and it's called Arrival of the Birds. And the reason for this song is because I absolutely love cinematic orchestra, but probably eight years before I lost Ginger, this particular song, every time I heard it, would literally take me to my knees crying. And I didn't know why, but I cried. And and after I lost Ginger, this was the song that I played at a funeral. And uh, so, yes, this is the song for me. Well, I would urge people to YouTube that and have a listen. Uh, I obviously can't play it because of the, the royalties on podcasts, but you can certainly go and Google it and look on YouTube. And while you're on YouTube as well, you mentioned this earlier, didn't you, Zara? There's, um, you've got your own video up of there, which again is worth a look. Yes. Uh, so I, I made a, a video on Ginger's first birthday with some writing, and it was, uh, and it's called The Wonder of Ginger. And um, it explains all of those feelings that I'm sure so many parents go through when they lose a child. Okay, so really worth looking at that as well. The Wonder of Ginger, Google that uh, and YouTube it as soon as you've finished listening to this podcast. <laughs> Brilliant. Zara, thank you so much for your time today. Um, and like I say, just so much love and respect for 
sharing your story with us. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. I'm Joe Wise, and you've been listening to Wise Women, the podcast. You can follow Wise Women on Instagram, Facebook, and the website www.wisewomen.org.uk. Remember, wise is spelt with a Y. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I look forward to you joining me next time for another Wise Women episode.